नमस्ते प्रेयर्स एंड मेडिटेशंस जस्ट टू हैव अ लिटिल बैकग्राउंड ऑफ दिस दीज टू प्रेयर्स विच वी आर गोइंग टू रीड सो इन ट्रेडिशनल योगा वी स्टेप आउट ऑफ दी सर्किल ऑफ नेचर इन विच द सोल इज ट्रैप्ड दिस इज डन थ्रू वेरियस प्रोसेसेस थ्रू मेडिटेशन थ्रू भक्ति थ्रू कर्मा desireless action through various means but once we step out we let nature run its own course and thereby the yogin either takes his station of consciousness outside nature as in the gita or he chooses to be on one of the higher aspects of nature like satyagun and from there he acts upon the world deals with the world but in this yoga which is a yoga of transformation one has to enter into all the states of consciousness and modalities of nature and bring the divine light peace beatitude sweetness force transforming love the all victorious love and ananda into these states it is a herculean task it may seem almost impossible but for this very reason one has to encounter these states one cannot avoid them or in traditional yoga one just looks at them and comes out of them but here one has to understand what these states of consciousness are when we go through certain internal states we must know what is happening inside us so we must be conscious we cannot just nebulously say this nature this is soul nor can we just keep saying me me i because we see that throughout the day through weeks months the i changes shifts from one poise to another so it is important in this yoga to understand and also we must know what to do when these states arise shobindu speaks of this at length he describes in savitri book 1 canto 3 where he says that at only at first these heavenlyer states then one pull is pulled down there are moments when one is in the subconscious then physical then vital higher vital then uh, mental etc so on and so forth then a psychic and spiritual consciousness and everywhere you have to infuse the light the vedic rishis used to call it the night and dawn sometimes they would experience long nights so based on which some people floated this theory that they must have migrated from the arctic regions because in arctic regions you have nights uh, nine months of continuous night followed by slowly the day will start with a trickle and then you have day full day which will last for some time then again there will be night slowly descending and for months together you don't have any day so of course it's quite likely that they experience this phenomena physically and hence use this as a symbol like many symbols but it is a fact that in yoga one does not remain all the time in the same state of consciousness it's a real time yoga that's why it is said so when people ask that oh those people who want only beautiful experiences only you know seeing a golden light and seeing all the time some beautiful things they must know that this yoga is not of that kind you have these experiences but you also have to enter into fields of nature of course not immediately just as the 
you know, as you grow up in grades, the level of difficulty changes. For kindergarten, it looks like uh, my nursery class is the biggest competitive exam in the world. But when you have crossed 12th standard, then you realize what true competition is. That when you have done that, then you enter into another more difficult field. So the level of difficulty increases as we advance on the path. Until a point is reached where we are stabilized in one particular state. So even then we have to go through because till there is a transformation, all things will come. But one is stabilized. There is this very clear psychic and spiritual realization in which one can easily enter if one wants to. So that's why we see some people won't understand when a disciple is writing to Sri Oh, you must be... Uh, roaming in your lotus land of the supramental, what do you know about us people? And Shubhindu writes, No, sir, I am not in any lotus eating land. I am entering into the subconscious with all its dullness and everything. Even uh, people would experience in the 30s that we are feeling very dull, we are feeling very lethargic. What is the reason? So Shubhindu would say, It is the general condition of everyone. Because the sadhana has dipped into the physical and the subconscious and even the inconscient state. So that's why in this yoga one has to understand the different states of consciousness and their effect and what we have to do when we are in those states. That's what one has to understand. So here is a prayer which describes the Divine Mother experiencing one such state or rather two such states. So this, these are prayers of January 4th and January 5th. So, this prayer of January 4th, 1914 reveals to us a kind of tendency in human nature to be all the time blabbering, chattering, gossiping about things of a very material nature. See, discussions are centered around, Mother says, the ordinary life and the awakened soul. She says that in ordinary life, 90% of the time, the thought of people are occupied with food. So, WhatsApp is better, though it is not so good when it comes to higher life. One has to learn to disengage and you know, it's another kind of web. But all the time, most of the time people were about material things. If it is not food, then it's about everyday comfort. If it's not comfort, it's about the weather, it's about somebody. All this is material thought, what one has, what one can get. Sometimes a whole lifetime is spent into purely material things. And the mother starts this prayer with this um, reality check, fact check. <laughs> the tide of material thoughts lies always in wait for the least weakness. Sit with people who are full of this and you will end up getting into its drain. It's a drain because where does it lead to? It leads to the dampening of the consciousness because that is the effect of matter. Contemplate such things and eventually the flame will begin to sink. And if we relax our vigilance even for a moment, if we are negligent to however small an extent, it rushes forward and invades us from all sides, submerging sometimes under its heavy flood the result of innumerable efforts. So what happens, this is a state when the consciousness is almost exclusively occupied with food, comfort, 
small pleasures, sleep, all the material events, this happened, that happened, outwardly, this, that. So that means our whole consciousness is tied to outer things. And unless we learn to disengage and detach it from that, we cannot ever even dream of progress, let alone actual progress. So progress in yoga is not wishful thinking. It's a real real-time event and real things. Effort is needed. So she says when one is, one has to be vigilant because otherwise it will come and invade and see even how much with food people will, there will be food served and but what is the discussion going on or this is better tasty, this is worse, this he has made, this who has made, this is what dish, where it is made. Instead we should discuss how creation is made, what has gone into creation, how creation can be redeemed. Redeeming touch of grace, this is what our thought should turn towards. But or, or even intellectual discussions can be there, at least better than the purely material discussions. So here is the tide of materialistic thought. So what is the sign of it? Then the being enters into a sort of torpor. Its physical needs of food and sleep increase. Its intelligence is obscured. Its inner vision is veiled and in spite of its feeling little real interest in these superficial activities, they occupy him almost exclusively. So even though the person to start with may not be feeling interested. That's why in old yogas it was like avoid the company of worldly people. What was the reason? This is the reason. Worldly people means who are too much into world. The Gita speaks about two kinds of intelligence. One kind of intelligence which makes us worse than animal or rather one kind of movement which is turned outward and downward. So animals that way are at least better. They are not, you know, they are living by instincts and they have certain qualities. But man's consciousness turned too much outward and downward leads to a fall. Another is turned inward and upward. So this should be our movement of intelligence in everything regardless of whatever we may be speaking or discussing. And then she says, this condition is very troublesome and fatiguing. For nothing is more fatiguing than thoughts about material things. And the varied mind suffers like a caged bird unable to spread its wings, yet aspiring for the power to take its free flight. So once someone asked the mother, said, Oh, so and so came, spoke to you so long. I also come and speak to you so long. It must be, you must be getting tired. She looked tired actually. She says, no, it is not that which tires me. Sometimes a few moments can tire me. It is the nature of the person and the kind of consciousness the person is bringing. So if it is a completely material, submerged consciousness, you will get exhausted. Otherwise you feel uplifted. So it is not about the number of time. It is about the state of consciousness which is brought into the atmosphere. So she is saying it makes one very tired and fatigued. It's a different thing. Most people find it like a respite. But <laughs> it is completely fatiguing. But why it is fatiguing? Because she says, I feel like after that a caged bird who has wings but cannot fly. Because material consciousness acts like that. Buries the flame inside It's dense, obscure And one has to really make an effort To light up the fire again 
Then she says, but perhaps in this condition there is a utility which I do not see. This is called Kalyan Shraddha. That time, this is January 1914, she has not yet met Sri Aurobindo, uh, I mean outwardly. So she says that maybe there is some utility which I do not see. Later on she will speak about the utility. In any case, I do not struggle at all because this is not something she has wanted. See, there are two kinds of things. One is you are engaged in all kinds of material things because you love to enjoy this. Another is because it's a tide which comes to you from all sides. And then she says, in any case, I do not struggle at all. And like a child in the arms of its mother, like a fervent disciple at the feet of his master, I confide in thee and surrender myself to thy guidance, sure of thy victory. This is what is to be done. When someone asked the mother, mother, what should I do when, you know, he was, uh, he had grown old physically. So this directly, I was told this by Doctor, I think Vishweshwaraya was involved in GH in the beginnings. So he was in care at 90 years of age and he was very fond of reading even at that age. So one day he told me, you know, uh, I asked mother once, you know, when age was catching up. So I thought when, when people grow old, when people are sick, what they should do? Because he would see, he would deal with all these kind of people. She said, uh, see, if you can do nothing with outwardly, then you can always call the Lord. That is something within your hands. And this is something not all can do. So she gave him this advice. So he remembered it when he grew old. So he says that, you know, since then I have taken it as an advice. He passed it on to me. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but it's a wonderful thing that sometimes you just can't do anything. You can't sit and meditate. You can't sit and read. You can't uh, engage with anything because material consciousness with the dullness and inertia has occupied you. So what you should do? She says, confident of thy victory, I lie in your arms. What a wonderful way to rest. She uses the word, rest in the light. And she says, many people don't know how even to rest. For them, rest means some kind of entertainment. They must watch some television show or something. They feel uh, it like gives them rest. They use the word, no, relaxation. So relaxation is some kind of entertainment. It's some kind of you know, WhatsApp, it's some kind of internet. But that's not relaxation. She says, just lie down quietly. And she gives the example of floating as a water lily on a pool of water. And then she says, be as a water lily. This is an amazing image of relaxation. That one is just lying down and one is in the arms of the Divine Mother and one is floating as on a water lily. Now this, she has broken all this idea, no, sit and meditate like this, sit bolt straight. No, you, there are moments you are very tired. Because And why we are tired? Because of all these things. We are fatigued because of all these kind of uh, states of consciousness which crowd around us. Maybe because of the company we keep, maybe because of various reasons. But what we should do is that we should know, she says, like a child in the arms of its mother. Mother, I don't know. When a child is sleepy, full of you know basic thirst and food, so it just lies down and nestles in the arms of the mother like a fervent disciple at the feet of his master. Save me, save me, save me. Help me, come out of this state, fervent disciple. I confide in thee, mother, this is my state. Pull me out of this inertia and darkness. She says, if you do it, the divine will pull you out thousand times. There is no limit to which he will do it. But you must have the faith. 
But if you have the contrary faith, no, I am a sinner, I am a bad guy, I am useless, I am unfit for yoga, then the tamas will drag you. When these thoughts come, pessimistic thoughts, that is a sign that the devil is dragging us. Maybe by the tail, tying us. <laughs> so we should keep constantly surrendering to the mother and offering to her. And she will do what needs to be done. Maybe she wants to change this state. So she will pour a light and peace into this obscurity till it changes. I confide in thee and surrender myself to thy guidance, sure of thy victory. These are simple, uh, what we can call as nuskas, uh, beautiful remedies of the mother. One of them we find in the very early prayer, first prayer. So there she says that every time that I feel that uh, there is a... ah, this is the very first prayer, huh? November 2nd, 1912, where she says that every time, how many times I act without any action being consecrated to thee. So she feels bad about it, that you know, I have not been conscious enough. I at once become aware of it by an indefinable uneasiness. This is how she knows that in the body, in the heart, she feels an uneasiness because the day has passed, moments have passed without consecration. But then what she does is, I then make my action objective to myself and it seems to me ridiculous, childish or blameworthy. I deplore it. For a moment I am sad. But then what she does, she says, until I dive into thee and there, losing myself with a child's confidence, await from thee the inspiration and strength needed to set right the error in me and around me. Two things that are one. So it is not just about, because we are surrounded by a mass of vibrations. See, this was the whole purpose of ashram. That ordinarily, she, she says that it is very difficult to do sadhana in the world, because the world is full of poison. You meet people and they will, they may look like friends, but they are not friends. She speaks about them, because you are dining, you are meeting, and they will come, I am a friend, but their consciousness is going to affect you. Whether you know it or not, you like it or not. So, this is how the world is. So, she created this space so that whatever it is, there is that over-pressing, this golden force, which is all the time around, tremendous pressure, which people can feel when they visit inside the ashram, people can feel. But actually, it is supposed to be everywhere, right up to the lake. And one can know the difference when one moves out of the zone. So it is precisely with this purpose that she created a space because she knew that it's very difficult to practice yoga at least of this kind in the world. In olden times, that's why people withdrew into monasteries because very difficult. There is the karma yoga and everything is wonderful. But what Krishna has brought is something <laughs> amazing. But really speaking, when you meet and in real time practice to remember and offer all the time, is very difficult. So she created a space where one has to do nothing, just a moment of stepping back in remembrance and there is this presence, this pressure which changes things. So she is reminding us to do that. Every time we feel submerged, now we tend to differentiate because of this person, that person. She says there are two things which are same. Me and the environment. Why? Because the people we connect with, contact with is based on something within us. There is something within me which has connected with X or Y or Z. So, we may blame that person but it is within me that one has to be very conscious of. So, two things which are the same 
and one nestles into the arms of the mother as an infant and relaxes in a light and waits for the guidance and the strength to recover namaste